Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing a little bit better than you, I think, is what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not to rehash all this, we were just talking before we started recording, but mm-hmm. I'm frustrated with UMass's and, <laughs> and basically inability to get their stuff together, to put it yeah. politely. And to show that their program is what is the term that they're investing in their yes. football and their program. Yeah. yeah. And there's just a lot of like mixed communication from the athletic department about like when they're going to be very upward and mm-hmm. honest about what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's just incredibly frustrating at this point, if you're trying to follow it and especially if you want good things to happen for UMass football, which I do. <laughs> of course. And I don't think anyone wishes bad things on them. Like how could you? Like right. seriously, like who's out here going, oh, you mascot, get those guys, kick them all Pro- the down. Probably like <laughs> UConn, I guess people. I mean, that's but... the, ro- that's the main rival right now. Like historically, yeah. I'd say maybe New Hampshire, but. Oh yeah. But they've been doing well. But I mean, you know, UMass hasn't played New Hampshire. Actually, no, they don't play them. They should have played URI in Maine. A couple, mm. couple weeks, homecoming, Rhode Island. <laughs> so, Rhode Island thinks they're going to beat us. <laughs> This is an interesting perspective because we always look at stuff from a media point and like how we're writing about it and how we're reading it. But this is interesting for fans across the board that are frustrated with their school, with their team, with the program and how they're presenting themselves in this, basically what's a meat market right now of trying to get picked up into conferences. That is interesting. I would be interested to hear from fans of schools that are on the bubble, you know, and Mm -hmm. why they're upset with, with their program. And I mean, I wrote about going to like the UMass UConn game as a fan Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago now when that game happened. Yeah. And so cool. I mean, I very easily could have been credentialed for that game and they would have been very happy to have me because it's of just course. it's rare that a non <laughs> no, you know what I mean like it's rare that a non-local yeah. brand is there. You know what I mean? It just wants it. to cover the game and promote it. Yeah, of exactly. course. But that's not how I wanted to go to the game at the same time. Right. You, you want to I mean? enjoy it as a fan. Yeah, it's very different. People don't realize that when you go to a game as media, you are not cheering. You are not, it's you know, compl- like I'm an alumni. Like <laughs> I've said this before. I went to UCF and I went to UMass. If anyone doesn't mm-hmm. know at this point where my admitted yeah. allegiances are like i don't try to hide that because i think it's i think they know i think no they but know. i i've never tried to hide <laughs> you know what i mean like, i know and i think it would be disingenuous if i tried to like talk about the you know we're going to talk about ucf temple a little bit i think it'd be right. completely disingenuous if i tried to hide the fact that i do like ucf more than i like temple inherently and i don't try yeah. to let it affect how i cover any team but like right. you know what i mean I do. But it's your opinion. Know, like, exactly. you know it's more about it. Yeah. And I think, it's fine. like, exactly. Like, I think that it's just 
more fair to someone who's listening to me or reading what I'm writing yeah. to be, Hey, this is where I stand on something. You know what I mean? Same I appreciate. Thing with, yes. Same thing with the Notre Dame thing. Like I, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. If you like college football in Massachusetts, you grew up a Notre Dame fan. I grew up a Notre <laughs> Dame fan. I write about Notre Dame for another site. Like I admit that sometimes I get, I see things through that Irish colored like glasses that some people put mm -hmm. on. And that's fine, but as long as I admit it, if I do those things, I go, no, I'm perfectly unbiased. I think that's super, I don't think that's fair to someone who's paying attention to what you have to say. You know what I mean? I think the Notre Dame fans are more rational now than ever because like for a while it was really tough to deal with y'all. But in the past couple of years, <laughs> I feel like you've come full circle and you realize that, okay, it's they're not God and they do, they are human. Uh, they make mistakes. God like, country, Notre Dame. <laughs> you don't know that phrase. <laughs> that's why I, that's why I used that terminology, but I just think there, I can tolerate Notre Dame fans now more than usual because they've been humbled a little bit. Like there's been some. In, in my bugs. lifetime, Notre Dame's not won a major bowl game. And I think that's right. the simplest way to get there. I think yeah. I, again, this is off topic from where we're going to eventually, which is All right, we're we warming up. This is like having a cup of coffee to start your morning. We're <laughs> just like, chatting. You know, I mean, I started rooting for Notre Dame, not to give away my age too bad, but when Ty Willingham was the coach there mm. and he was okay, but he wasn't mm -hmm. good enough for Notre Dame, especially at that time was, oh no, we need to be competing for national championships. That was only right. a decade or so after Holtz left. And then they brought in Charlie Weiss who stunk. He inherited. Right. Oh my roster. God, Charlie White! I he inherited about a that. really good roster <laughs> from Ty Willingham with guys like Brady Quinn, and Jeff Samarjan, and Tom Zabowski. Yeah, Brady <laughs> I love Brady Quinn. He was like yeah. the name quarterback I grew up on. So like, yeah, we shall hear no insults about his time with the Browns. No, I, I have nothing <laughs> bad to say about Brady Quinn. But, you know, I mean, like, and Charlie Weiss, and he came in, and I, again, I'm from Massachusetts. Where was Weiss before Notre Dame? He was the Patriots OC for the first three Super Bowls of That's the right year. So I was, you know, like 10 years old and incredibly excited about it. And they just stunk mm. and they just were terrible. Like there's a couple of 10 win seasons that were with inherited players, but it just didn't work. Right. The Brian Kelly era took off. And I think people have had very mixed emotions about this. It's flashed the potential of, you know, quote unquote, uh, past glories, but it's never going to quite get there because the games move so far from it. I've written more than once before that if Brian Kelly was coaching in the eighties, he'd have at least one, probably two national championships to his name right now. Yeah. But we don't decide things by voting anymore. And we his jokes would be play. a lot funnier if you yeah. were in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. You know, they would lay him better <laughs> as these things go, but you know, he's now the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. And I don't yeah. think people realize that he's got more wins than Rockney, Leahy, Persegian, Divine, Holtz. He's, you know, he just. Well, their recruiting, the I feel like, has been competitive because it's, it's Notre Dame and like you get it, it's good very, players. It's difficult at Notre Dame, though, because it's in because the middle of, the of nowhere. Academic, it's yeah. cold, the academics. It's a different mm -hmm. type of institution. Yeah. But it has uh, that history Kelly, where it's like people it grow does. up sometimes wanting to play for Notre Dame. It mm -hmm. has that really good like tradition and. There's um, also people will talk to you about, and especially the Northeast and mid, like kind of Rust Belt areas, mm -hmm. any Catholic school, especially Catholic prep schools are kind of funnel systems to Notre Dame. They'll funnel you in. Yeah. Um, so there are ways Notre Dame recruits a little bit easier than other schools like it, but it's also harder. It's, you can't quite recruit the way a, an Alabama or an Ohio state does at not. the same time. Yeah. I think Stanford Kelly's deals done. with that same problem to mm -hmm. be honest. So yeah, they're very similar institutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, over time, Kelly's figured that out. And, you know, it, this is a down year for Notre Dame, and they've got one loss. And 
maybe one more coming this like regular season. They're a, their down years are like nine or 10 wins now. And that's right where you want to be if you're Notre Dame historically. You know what you're yes. not right now? You're not Nebraska. You're not Tennessee. You're not, you know, insert any of these other teams that are still trying to recapture past glory. You're in a lot better spot now. So I don't remember how we got on this topic, but but there's your Notre Dame talk for about five yeah, minutes. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were talking about conference realignment and fandom yeah. and all that okay. stuff. So. Yeah. You know, hang in there, guys. If you're fans like Dan of a program that's trying to find its way in this new world. That stinks. It's it's going to be okay. The Middle Tennessee fans that stuck around or the Louisiana Tech fans, they'll understand what I'm getting at, except yeah. I want you guys to We're here for you. So, you know, we're here. We got your back and it'll be yeah. all right at, at some point in time. So it's a national sport. We talk about all, you know. Yeah. Notre Dame's not power five, but Notre Dame is different. <laughs> <laughs> Notre Dame is definitely different. I will give you that. But we have some games for this week. We so do. thank you for transitioning. <laughs> no worries. Where do we want to start? I'm guessing Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep going in order. We'll I am. I got to tell you, I don't love the week. I, uh, part of me, I'm going to say it's a light week. It, I like the weeknight games because I get to watch them, but I don't like them because it makes our week shorter to do all mm-hmm. of our stuff. So from oh, a work standpoint it's yeah. tough it definitely compresses us into the first couple yes. days of the week to like, record, like monday which also, and tuesday are crucial <laughs> which also means like unfortunately like most teams haven't given out injury reports at this point so i don't right. know what a lot of guys status like you know we'll talk about someone like michael yeah. pratt in a little bit but i have no idea what status mm-hmm. is right now I was um, just checking my email to see like who is emailed the SID stuff. And there's just not a lot going on. Yeah. So that's, I do have a cool note for the two lane game that I will save. I tweeted it out, but I will, save it. <laughs> I'll save it for when we talk about Tulane, but okay, let's start it. with UCF, USF. Oh, no. Yeah. USF, <laughs> USF at ECU on Thursday night. Yes. All right. Yeah. Let's start there. Uh, okay. Do you think USF builds off what were undeniably their two best weeks of the season and goes into ECU months? That's a lot of chunk to bite off right there, but I think USF plays a good game against a tough. No, I think they play a good game against a really good, also building ECU team at home. I don't think they win, but I think we continue to see them improve. Uh, in what regard? I'm not sure because where else could we see improvement from USF? Where would, my question would be, where would you like to see them improve? Uh, I'd like to see the passing game take off a little bit. Okay. You know, they were very conservative. They've been very conservative with McLean all season long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get that he's a freshman. I, like I said, I kind of figure in a year where you're not going to go to a bowl game because, you know, it's just not on the cards talent wise this year. Uh, you know, in yeah. the year where, <clears throat> you know, you're rebuilding. I'd let him go out there and kind of like take his licks, which, you know, and like, let it, let's see what he can do. See if it can build confidence. I can also see, cause I'm not at practice and I don't pretend to be like if in practice, he's getting just in, not capable of doing that. Then why would you try to force him to do it in a game? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I get both. There's two sides to that coin, but the running game has looked pretty good for UCF. The special teams for UCF, USF. <laughs> it's okay. I did it already too because it's it's hard. Uh, yeah. Let's just yeah, South but, Florida, yeah. South Florida. I'm gonna go with that. To be, <laughs> I'm tired. I've been doing five different yeah. jobs today. So you are. 
You are. <laughs> okay, what do you think about, you're talking about the run game being great. We want to see the passing game. How do you think the pass game for USF is going to match up against ECU secondary? Because I think you'll struggle, and I don't think yeah. you're going to try it, to be honest. Hmm. You think ECU, they're going to stick with the run? Yeah, the secondary yeah. is an ECU strength and defense, and the run defense is really their weak point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a much improved. It's such a better defense. Than I expected it to be also for the Pirates this year than it has been in the past years. And just, it's a lot better run defense, I guess, is what I'm getting than what I thought it'd be, but it's still the weaker point is the run defense. So mm-hmm. no, if you're going to play to your strength and play to their weakness, that's how you would play if you're USF. Yeah. You know, I think when you flip that around though, I, as long as Ehlers, you know, plays confidently, I don't see a way USF slows down the Pirates offense. Yeah. I think that's the bigger issue. I think USF probably scores, I don't know, 20-ish points, but I don't think they slow down ECU. I will also say that Mike Houston is fired the F up after the overtime officiating mm-hmm. debacle in his eyes. Yeah, we, didn't, we didn't mad. talk about that at all. We but... didn't really. And what is there to say when you have I, officials that change a game like that? You know what? I, I wrote, this is over a year ago now, when they lost to mm-hmm. Tulsa last year, basically mm-hmm. about how bad the AAC reps were and how they took away a one from ECU in that game. Yeah. But it's an issue. And I, I think is. every conference likes to brag that their reps are the worst. It's kind of this like well, the Pac-12 per- reps are the worst. So well, I think AAC replay reps are the worst. If we're getting like more specific, <laughs> okay. Okay. he's terrible at replay. I think it takes five minutes too long every time and they get it wrong half the time. So, okay. That's my you know what I mean? Well, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. ACC fans will always go, our oh, refs are the worst. SEC yeah. Refs. Everybody says that. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's why I don't really give it much airtime because listen, the refs are going to be what they're going to be. They're going to make calls. We can't change it. Coaches can't change it. Yeah. Right. They're just going to be bad. That's part of the game. It's like in baseball, you know, the umpires get things wrong. That's human error. It happens, but I don't want to waste time. No talking about it. I'm you know talk, what I mean? Because I can talk about Laz Diaz from the uh, ALCS and his home plate. <laughs> not, it's no. terrible. And it's the only no, reason wait. the Red Sox didn't win that series. See, only. and I'm telling you this year's, <laughs> this year's playoff baseball has made the biggest push for robo ump I've ever seen. Well, so okay. I would love to see robo. Not to go on too far of a tangent into baseball, but it's because the MLB umpires association enforces them to give basically games in the playoffs to umpires who didn't earn it. Laz Diaz was like the second worst umpire at balls and strikes all year long and they gave him an ALCS game five. It was insane that they did that. And he, there were several calls mm-hmm. that were two inches off the plate that he was missing and it was both directions, but you know what? They would have gone to the bottom night tied at two, except he called strike three, a ball, and then the inning devolved from there. And I'm not okay with it, but that's a I'm whole sorry. other tirade. Yeah. That's and now the, I will now say the Astros in the world series. So. I will say uh, this about the ECU game is my last point. Um, I, I think USF is going to do well. I don't think it's going to be enough um, to beat ECU at home. And I'll tell you why this is going to be in my column this week outside uh, out of bounds, um, which is my, you know, where I talk about off the field things that are interesting. So at ECU, it's called their painted black um, mm-hmm. night of the boneyard game. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. it is Halloween weekend. So we love to see it. Um, <laughs> they're going to be throwing a party, Dan. Okay. Listen to this. All fans are encouraged to wear black, which is great. We love a blackout game. It's always mm-hmm. like kind of fun, you know, good atmosphere. Halloween costumes are welcome. Okay. Ooh. So we're about to see a bunch of Halloween costumes with the most creative costume winning a thousand dollar tuition waiver. Okay. Ooh. So, so that's, yeah, I'm an ECU student. 
Oh yeah. There's going to be people decked out trying to win that there's discounted tickets. And then there's going to be a bunch of giveaways that they're doing because it's Halloween weekend. So they're giving away a a brand new 55 inch Samsung TV. They're giving away free textbooks for a semester to three different students, uh, signed football from the head coach to tickets with sideline passes, spring break cruise, Apple AirPods, like all kinds of stuff. So they're stuff. Yeah, they're pulling out I mean, the subs I'd be to get. Real, I'd be disappointed if I got textbooks for a semester. I was an I English mean, major. I never, I didn't have to. Yeah, but I was an English major. I had to buy like $10 like books from Barnes and like Noble. Books. Yeah, I mean, that's like books, books. So you could sell it to somebody perhaps and get and make a, make a, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, and then also people they're doing this the first ever time um, early bird special. So if you come into daddy Ficklin stadium from five 30 to six 30 before the game, all of the concession stands have $2 popcorn, $2 candy, $2 hot dogs, and $2 fountain drinks. Mm. So, so you could just go in and tailgate at the stadium. So this it is going sounds, to be a it rowdy sounds like crowd. That's where you should have been going instead of Colorado state this weekend. <laughs> Trust me, I thought about going there Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I was like going to try and make it happen, but I have too it's big of a story at Colorado State. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Have but it sounds fun. Somewhere? Have you I ever have been not. And I, it's really no. awesome there. They've got it a really awesome. Daddy Ficklin's one of my favorite stadiums in the conference, like by far, especially when ECU is good and they get the stadium going. It's, it's a very mm-hmm. good crowd there, like better than a lot I feel of like the North Carolina might look ACC into teams. It. I might look into flights. I'm like, this is, this sounds like it's going to be, it's going to be, even if it's not this game, like it's mm -hmm. better than going to a Wake Forest or Duke game. It's better than going to most North Carolina games. I think a lot of the games are going to be fun this weekend because um, it gives it is Halloween weekend. So like Tulane, Mm -hmm. Cincinnati, I think is going to be fun too. You're going to have New Orleans on Halloween, which is where I was supposed to be going, which is going to be fun. But Mm -hmm. I think that this is going to be a crazy Thursday night game. So that's my prediction. With that being said, I'm going to go ECU. Yeah. I'm also taking the Pirates. I think okay. that they're going to be cons- as consistent as they've been for a while for yeah. 60 minutes. You know, that's why I've been saying all years. If ECU can play 60 minutes consistently, they're a very good team. They just don't do that, which makes them a pretty average team. But I do like them a lot this year. You know what I mean? Night, night at the Boneyard, man. This is going to be my favorite game no this quarter. week. I'm excited. I mean, yeah. That's a pretty good, that's not my favorite game on the slate, but like, we'll get to that later. It's, 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 now that I've read that, it's up there for I'm, me. So. Uh, it'll be fun. I'm definitely going to be watching, but uh, yeah, Friday night, watch. Navy is at Tulsa. Less of a, less of, less of an exciting game. I think, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a. A little more straightforward, not as, a little more straight laced. This game might be over in two hours, to be honest with Ooh, you. I, you know, I, love I, to I'm, see that. I mean, it's both teams are you know, run the ball first teams, mm-hmm. you know, I thought Tulsa's strength is run the ball. Obviously Navy's got the triple. I don't think we're going to see more than like 20 passes between both teams all game. I think this is going to be a pretty quick game. All things considered, you know, Navy's a pretty clean team. So I'm looking for whoever can score first and like get that little bit of a lead holding onto it for most of the game, just with ball control, which is not super exciting, but I also think it's the route it goes really nice of Tulsa to make this uh, military day game. That makes sense. It does. <laughs> that checks out. We'd love to see that. Um, I don't really know what to expect from Navy at this point. And the same goes for oh, Tulsa. I, I know what to expect from Navy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Bring around the triple. <laughs> I mean, well. okay. I didn't, mean, back dive. <laughs> I didn't mean like on offense. No. I meant in 
general. I know, like, I know what you meant. <laughs> yeah. So, I, no, I, I think Navy's s- rapidly improving as the season goes. Mm-hmm. And they've, unfortunately for them from the UCF game, which they frankly won straight up, they yeah. won it through this past yeah. Cincinnati game. It's just been an incredibly difficult schedule for them. Uh, and that's why the wins aren't there. But each week, I mean, they took Cincinnati and gave them a really hard time last week. And Cincinnati, we know how much better they are just talent-wise than the rest of this conference right now. Mm-hmm. So I fully expect them to go into Tulsa and smack them in the face and be, you know, ready to go. You know, it's a short week for Tulsa. I think they're going to be tired. They're not going to want to get cut. I think the bit, most important player individually in this game for Tulsa is Jackson player because he needs to make sure he's staying up all game, not getting cut and taking away the fullback all night long. And if he doesn't do that, then Tulsa's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. In my opinion. Uh, first of four straight road games for Navy. That's mm-hmm. rough. And yeah. Tulsa, they're coming off three straight. Tulsa has won its last two games. Navy's coming into the game losing three straight. So you have a team that's winning and a yeah, team that's losing. The way Tulsa beat USF where they had to come yeah. from behind, that's not like a not super. great. The Memphis win. I'm I'm weird on Memphis right now. I don't know what to. <laughs> I'm glad. Weird. I'm glad they're not playing this week. They're the bye week. This yeah. if anyone didn't know that, and I just don't know what to make of them. So it's just easier. I have a week to not think about it and try to don't have to figure them out for a week. Memphis football is like the Bermuda Triangle of it, this conference is, right now. Does, like, yeah, I don't like, know. And it I don't get it. So fast that they kind yeah. of like fell off and became this confusing team that lost its identity. Yeah. And, and Whoa, coach, don't, don't they, they lost, lost its identity. They did though. Oh, no. Their identity was an explosive running offense that like I don't know that they really fast. had one coming into the season with all of the but stuff going as on. As a program, you do like, you know, what I mean mm-hmm. I think as a program, they just don't feel like they've got that same energy around them. I don't think they've got that same yeah. attitude on specifically in offense is what I'm talking about. The you know, the defense yeah. has always kind of struggled there as it does in a lot of this conference, but you know, they don't intimidate you running the ball like they yeah. used to, which is what I thought their identity always was. And yeah, that's, that's true. They've always had very good running backs. That's yeah. fair. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's just a tangent for a team on the bye week, but Navy Tulsa, I mean, does yeah. Davis Bryn try to throw it into the Tulsa secondary? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they bother trying. I think they just try to run through them with good running yeah. backs. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I don't know. Who, I, are you, I do, who do you, who I, are I'm you going to take Tulsa? Navy. No, I'm going to take Navy. You're going to take Navy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh boy. I told you, I All think right. Navy's been improving every week. Navy's back. Uh, I'm going to go Tulsa. <laughs> Because I mean, I'm going to stick with the home team Two two notes off the field for this game. And um, first one has nothing to do with football, but is interesting. Tulsa. I don't know if people know this. They have the smallest FBS enrollment. Yeah, um, they're tiny. 2,929 undergraduate students. And then Navy is number five, 4,524. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. They're both top five smallest enrollment schools playing each other. And- um, nothing to do with football, a, but 
I think that does have something to do with football though. Oh, yeah. Because oh, you've got smaller, the pool is smaller. Well, exactly. Yeah. You've got less uh the players that you can bring in or it's just a different level of recruiting that you can do. It's different completely. It's also an odd juxtaposition to the rest of the conference, which is like the schools are usually yeah, massive. Pretty big schools. They're also going to be um having Drew Pearson. Uh, recent Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee and Tulsa alumni. He will be honored this Friday night during the halftime ceremonies at the game. Are they going to so, paint the incense with his name the way that uh, old <laughs> just did for Eli? That was epic, first of all. That Manning and then that was epic. I wish I had been at Ole Miss for Eli Manning day. That was 100% not for Eli. That was for Arch Manning. That's fine. I I'll take it. I think Eli knows that by now. Like we all know who wears the pants in that family. Uh, Dallas Cowboy legend and golden hurricane star receiver. He was inducted into the pro football hall of fame as part of the 2021 class. He's the fourth former Tulsa student athlete to receive induction in the pro football hall of fame. So he will be there. Yeah. Who were the other three? Uh, Here we go. Bob St. Clair, 1990, uh, Jim Finks and Steve Largent. Steve Largent's the only one I think I could have guessed. I would. don't think I could have named any of them, but L- look up Largent's like college stats. They're massive. Okay. I shall yeah. do that. Uh, we, we don't have Drew to Pearson that, but... became known as Mr. Clutch, which is kind of a mm-hmm. fun nickname for his numerous clutch catches in game winning situations, especially the Hail Mary reception mm-hmm. uh, sealed victory over the Vikings in a 1975 playoffs game. One of the most famous plays in NFL history. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Oh, there we go. Tulsa alumni Drew Pearson will be in the house Friday night. So what, what? make sure you get out there, I guess, if you're a Tulsa fan and fill, pack the house. Yeah. I mean, Tulsa has a little bit of a hard time. I'm not going to get into filling the stadium stuff because they're not that good, <laughs> but they, they never fill the stadium all that much. Oh boy. Partially, that is a tiny student body, though, you know? Uh, you know, but no, it's a tough place to play. Very, like, quietly tough place to play, Tulsa, I think. That's I mean, why that's I think they're going to win. Guy, so. I think it's tough to play at Tulsa. You well, know. you know where is not a tough place to play? Ooh. Temple. Ooh. <laughs> so you're jumping right in. You're I'm jumping go right, right in. I'm okay. jumping right in. Yeah, UCF at Temple, noon, ESPN Plus. Got to be Ugh. there. Rocking hate. the link. Hate noon games. Hate them. I mean, yeah, no one likes noon games. No one likes yeah. noon kick. It's easier for me because it's actually a noon kick for me. Yeah, for me, it's 9 a.m. Not a fan. Not <laughs> a fan. Yeah, we've got two noon games this week, too. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, you know, UCF at Temple. I mm-hmm. think that I'd like to see. I, I don't know what to say other than I think mm. that UCF should beat them by a pretty sound margin. I don't think that we have to talk about a ton. We saw what Temple looked like last week yeah. against USF. We've talked about the issues that they're having coming out fast right. and mo- being motivated to play. Uh, I think UCF's, and I, I don't think I know, I, you know, I mean, I know UCF's bigger. I know they're faster. I know they're more experienced. I know they're stronger, even with all their injuries, they are all those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's tough because temple they're coming home for the first time in the last 28 days. So while that's nice to be back, it's been a tumultuous, basically yeah. month yeah. of not being home and, and figuring yeah. it out on the road. And, you know, UCF struggled on the road this year. They're 0 for 3 on yeah. the road. So, fair. you know, Mikey Keene's a true freshman. It's just whatever the opposite of Nippert is, that's what <laughs> Temple is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like in terms of environment, I think, you know, if you look at Keene's two starts on the road, one was at Navy, which is a very unique setting. And so 
challenging mm-hmm. setting in all honesty. And one was Nippard, which is one of the two, you know, depending on how you look at the two, one of the two toughest places to play in the conference, probably the toughest right now, given their success. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't blame him for necessarily struggling in those games. And frankly, mm-hmm. he looked fine against Navy. He struggled against Cincinnati, but so does everyone. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I, they're going to run the ball a lot. UCF is, they're going to give it to Isaiah Bowser a ton, a little Johnny Richardson, you know, and maybe some Mark Anthony Richards. It's just, it's going to be a lot of run games, a lot of quick screens to wide receivers like, uh, you know, Ryan O'Keefe. Maybe they try to stretch the field a little bit more and let him test himself against the lesser Temple team. Uh, reverse that. I think that the UCF defensive line is going to be harassing Dwan Mathis. And I think it's going to yeah. get a little bit ugly in that direction. UCF it's hard to see young, a clean. But... It's hard to see a clean way out of this for Temple. <laughs> no, I. I mean, I again. I. We started the show. I admit where I've got biases and allegiances, and yeah, this is one of them. But this one's legitimate. I'm legitimizing I'm, your bias in this one. I was going to say, but like come on, don't like twist my yeah. arm and try to, I mean, the way that Temple wins this game is if Mikey Keene absolutely just falls apart on the road and, yeah. you know, you know, makes a bunch of dumb turnovers. And, you know, and even then I think that Gus would just start running the ball instead of letting that spiral. I would love to see Temple come out and have a positive first quarter. Yeah, I think good. to me, that would be I don't be think they've had like, one yet this season. No, I, that would be a moral victory if they could come out at home and just actually execute a mm-hmm. solid first quarter, that to me would be yeah. a sign of life really, which yeah. is what we need from temple right now. So no, absolutely. I don't know that 100% you're going to get that, but <laughs> we can help, but yeah, no, you're right. If temple is going to win this game, they need to force turnovers. Mm-hmm. They need to capitalize on their opportunities, probably make a couple special teams play and they cannot start slow. They I'll can't. say that. Fun so. little note is uh, Temple's new director of athletics, Arthur Johnson, mm-hmm. will see a familiar face on the opposing sideline as he worked with UCF's offensive line coach, Herb Hand, during their time with the Longhorns. Okay. So There's a fun, fun little connection in the game. And I do want to give a shout out to um, ESPN Plus and Temple. They showcased the women of Temple football. Mm-hmm. Um, they were featured during the broadcast uh, halftime Saturday. In case you missed it, you can check it out online on Twitter. But it was a really cool feature where they showed, you know, what the women on that work on staff for a college mm-hmm. football team do and how they're integrated in the program, what, you know, what their mm-hmm. roles are and, and how they're part of the team. So very, very cool thing that Temple partnered with ESPN Plus to do. And as a woman in sports, very appreciative of that angle. So mm-hmm. well done. Awesome. Absolutely. I didn't catch that, but I'll have to go check it out. You know? It's worth, it's worth looking at, I think. So, Probably. um, all right. So I'm assuming you're going UCF. Oh yeah. 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 Same. You? Yep. Say, I, yep. Like I said, it's nothing personal. Pretty straightforward. When I, I've been very down on temple all year and it's nothing personal. It's just, you know, sometimes that's reality. Yep. Uh, our other noon game though, Cincinnati at Tulane, another <laughs> game, which I think I want to be really quick about this to be honest, because I don't think there's mm-hmm. much to say that hasn't been said. Uh, Tulane's Michael Pratt. We don't know his status yet. We're recording too early in the week. There's no injury report. That's like out there telling us for sure. That's fine. I don't think it matters if he plays or not, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. get blown. The issue is not even Tulane's offense in this game to me. Uh, the issue is right. Tulane's defense is not going to be able to slow down Ford. Uh, they've been terrible yeah. against the run all year. They've been really just, and if it's not the run, then, you know, the secondary is game exploited in the passing game. 
I think Cincinnati is going to exploit them early and it'll be done pretty quick. The same way the UCF game was done pretty quick against Cincinnati. Uh, It doesn't help that Cincinnati's defense is going to hold, you know, Tulane down no matter who their quarterback is to next to nothing on offense, because that's what they do. I think after last week where Cincinnati went to Navy and kind of played a close one, they're going to want to go put some style points up. I think it's going to be ugly. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say about the game per se. Uh, it will, I will be interested to see if Pratt goes or not. And if he doesn't, I wouldn't what, if I were Tulane to be honest. I mean, yeah, I don't think that he will, but then again, I didn't think he was going to go after his last concussion and he did. So I don't, I don't really know. They're not as any, they're not always ruled as uh, concussions. They have a very specific protocol. Like- we, we have, we're not privy to any of that information. Yeah. Um, so, which I, I don't mind that we don't get all that information on injuries. It's yeah, you know, I'm okay with those being, but it's just it doesn't. Well, there are people that would exploit it. There's media that would take advantage of you know putting yeah. it out there for negative cause. But there are some people that just want to know. And no, I, and look, you know how much I'd like to know, like if Dylan Gabriel's collarbone is going to be okay before the SMU game. Mm-hmm. A ton. I'd like to know that very much. Right. But I also like. But we can't be trusted with the information because there's people out there that ruin well, yeah. everybody. Well, exactly, and also like he's still like what 21 years old it's okay if he like wants to keep his personal health information like a little bit quieter to me i just you know what i mean if it's a severe break or a small one i don't need to know it's okay you know what i mean i'll yes. go with the punches uh you're taking two lane though right <laughs> stop it i will say this about my off the field note is very interesting for two it's not really off the field but they're going to recognize the 50th anniversary of the first black football players okay so it's going to be a groundbreaking um debut as athletes charlie hall charlie in- charles innes robert johnson and john washington will all be back for the game and, they yeah. those four individuals broke the color barrier 50 years ago by joining the green wave football team in the fall of 1971 mm-hmm. and they're going to be honored with an on-field recognition they're going to also i believe uh raise a number 18 flag prior to the game in honor of devin walker uh mm-hmm. they will also serve as team captains which is great and fans who go to the game will receive this really cool poster that's being made um and you can see it on the Tulane twitter their website mm-hmm. it's a really neat commemorative poster that 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 fans will get to walk away with so um i love that i love this for Tulane to do this kind of historical stuff plus they have a really cool helmet featured on the poster throwback white with just the green stripe on the mm-hmm. like middle oh, yeah. and a block green tee Okay. Really cool throwback. I don't know that they're going to be wearing these. Probably Tulane rocks a, a lot of good helmets. They so. do. They're white. I don't think they you're, they wear white at home traditionally. I I've, don't know. I've seen them do it. I mean, they yeah. they tend they've liked in recent years to wear that kind of like baby blue color a lot. And they, they do wear like the, the baby obviously blue, the olive yeah. green because that's their main color. But mm-hmm. uh, I've seen them wear white definitely. I would love to see. So definitely stay on the lookout if you're a Tulane fan on their social media this week to see the the uniform reveal, because I have a feeling this could be a very special one given, you know, who they're honoring. And I just think it's so cool. They're doing that. So I'm excited. And that's specifically like you mentioned breaking the color. That's at Tulane specifically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm surprised it honestly took them until 71. That feels pretty recent it's, compared to it's in right that's the, you know I mean? it's it's pretty crazy I mean, and i i know it's you know i'm not going to try to get too into like the history of it because i know it's the south i know it's a little bit different you know it is but 
there's, you know, for years at that point in different areas of the country had been black players. Like, I mean, Michigan state in the sixties was built on being willing to go into the South and recruit them and say, Hey, you can actually play at our university. You know what I mean? Which is, it's insane. You know what I mean? The same way like USC. for I, a lot of the, I think it's yeah. great that these guys are going to be back being able to speak with the team. You know, they get to talk with the players and their families and, and get to share stories of perseverance and triumph mm-hmm. and overcoming adversity. And I think that's so important, mm-hmm. no matter what race you are to hear that kind of story. It's especially special for the african-american community there at tulane but it, it's just great for everybody to hear that so yeah absolutely i don't know i think it's a little bit of juice for tulane having so this special tulane? week <laughs> i'll mark you down for tulane uh, no I, I let me i don't know what you there, don't actually Cincinnati's not a, you don't actually Cincinnati's a 24.5 favorite okay, in this no, game emily i'm not letting you take tulane in this game that's a joke you let you take them too often. You can take them next week. I don't know who to play. Okay, fine. Topic. Okay, fine. All right. I'm taking Cincinnati, but in my heart, I'm choosing Tulane for the upset, just so everybody okay. knows. I can't afford to do it on paper, but I, in my heart, am picking them. So roll wave. I was supposed to be there for this week's game, and unfortunately, uh, Nola is too. Collins instead. Well, it's not just that. I we were gonna go to New Orleans, but. Halloween in New Orleans is crazy mm-hmm. and we got on the ball too late booking hotels and oh, flights super and stuff. Expensive, yeah. It's crazy. So normally we'd be there, but too but much, yeah. but we're not. So yeah. absolutely. Uh, we only have one more game yes. of powering through things. It's the prime the battle game. for Texas's soul. SMU amazing. at Houston. Yes. I'm real. This is the game that I say circle for the week. And this is the interesting one to me. I think before this, we kind of have an idea going into all these games. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Navy Tulsa is probably going to be a pretty close one, but they're also mm-hmm. record-wise going to be towards the bottom of the conference. This is the top of the conference. Winner of this game more or less guarantees themselves. You know, I mean, obviously we still have yeah. to play, but they put themselves, I should say, in the driver's seat to go play in the conference championship game against Cincinnati. Right. Because you know, they both still have to play the Bearcats. So, like, you know, we'll see what happens with all that, but I think it'll be a very interesting, you know, it, it's just a very interesting game to see who can win. I think it's also a very low key clash of SMU's offense versus Houston's defense Yeah, in a lot of ways. I don't, you know, I don't think Houston's defense has gotten the credits due as they are a bunch of great athletes who run around and are fast all over the field. Yeah. It's a very good secondary. It's a solid pass rush. You know, that's what's gotten them to this point is that defense. They would have probably dropped a couple more games if it wasn't, you know, because the offense is only so-so. And, mm-hmm. you know, SMU is kind of the reverse of they're here because of their offense and the defense is only so-so. So I'm very interested to see what happens in this one. I know. It's, it's going to be a fun one. And I, here's a little try this on for size for you. Dana Holgerson to Texas Tech. I was thinking Sonny Dykes to Texas Tech. No Texas Tech way. would have to. Dana's making over four million at Houston, and they're about to be in the Big Twelve anyways in a year or two. I guess so. That's true. I think that Texas. It'd be Tech like going be, sideways. <laughs> yeah, Texas Tech would have to like, and he's like building at Houston too. Like he'd be going back to the start. He'd be but it hasn't been without bums for him, so I you know, could it was see a very maybe weird, very weird first couple of years, but you know they're kind of back on track right now. You know maybe I mean? we'll see. And I. I think Texas Tech would have to pay him at least like $5 million. And even then, I don't know if you've seen the price of oil lately, but Houston's <laughs> got money right now. They're, 
they're okay. I do because here in California, it's almost $5. And down the way where I live in Pebble in Big Sur, it is $7. See, I was paying like $340 and I thought that was too much for me. So that's what I pay by using my boyfriend's Costco card membership. But here in normal, it's like outside of like their minds right now for gas. It's crazy. Yeah. I I hate I'm I've always said about Costco lines for gas. If it's just 10 cents cheaper, it's not worth my time in line. You know what I mean? But if it's like $4 a gallon if cheaper, significant, if it's like, yeah. yeah, if it ends up being like $20 difference, it might be worth your time in line. Uh, but yeah, no, I think this game comes down to whether or not Houston can turn over SMU. I think that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to a lot. If SMU makes those mistakes and lets Houston keep it close, I think they could be in trouble late. Is the, I guess my brief summary of what I think matters most is Mordecai keeping it clean. Yeah. And can Houston take advantage of those? The I-45 showdown. I love it. I, I'm actually pretty juiced for this. It's going to be the blackout game for Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, we love a good blackout game. Yeah, sounds good. And I was going to, I had one note um, for the fans, but now I can't, I can't. I like that it's, I like that it's, it's a night game too, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm happy that's, that's a prime gonna, time game. It's going to be des- fun. Yeah. It deserves to be a prime time game. You know? Yeah. I think too often they put games that really just don't deserve to be on prime time there just because of the helmets. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, man, I don't know. Like last week, Notre Dame USC, it's a great rivalry and I love that game. There's no reason it had to be a prime time game. USC's terrible. Yeah. You know, it right. was a week, like, it was not a great week of games either, but like, eh. Just leave it at like the 330 <laughs> uh, time slot it normally has. You know what I mean? This game absolutely deserves to be prime time, you know, which when you're in the G5, unfortunately, you don't always get that billing. I don't know. I don't know if people saw this in my column this last week, but at the the Houston game this past weekend, they had the all the members of the 2011, not all of them, but most of the members of the 2011 Houston football team um came back for the game. They were there, including Case Keenum, which obviously is one of the His most numbers at Houston were shockingly big. If you ever like go yeah. back and like, without like, ha- you know, having not paid attention to Houston in 2011, you right. go back and you're like, wait a minute, Case Keenum, what? <laughs> For that was actually the best team they've had um, going undefeated and, and almost, almost quite making it into national relevance. But I think they beat somebody. I think it was Penn state in the cotton ball. I want to say it was, it was a big game that year. So yeah, I no. had it in my column, but so you can go check it out. So I feel like Houston is definitely feeling themselves mm-hmm. right now. Um, and especially because Having you have someone. the, they have the Astros in um, doing their thing in, in baseball. And so the town yeah. has a lot, the city has a lot of pride right now. So I'm definitely feeling possibly a Houston upset here. I'm looking at the 2011 Houston team right now. And it was the uh, ticket city bowl. But that's played it's, at the well, Cotton Bowl. Yes, yeah, that's why I thought it was Cotton Bowl. Okay. So yeah, and the one it was Penn State they, or no? It was Penn State. You got that part. Yeah. Right. The yes. one team they lost to that year was a ranked Southern Miss team. Um, right? How the isn't that weird? Yeah. How they have fallen. It'll come back around. So I think honestly, I am going to go Houston for a little bit of chaos this weekend. It's at home. It's a blackout game. It's Halloween weekend. Spooky. 
Maybe it's I, a full moon. I don't know. I don't know what the full moon is. But, we'll have to look. I mean. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Pony Express. SMU. Yeah, yeah. That's what I figured. Go ponies. Well, at least yeah. we've got Until, two. Like I said, oh. my feelings on Houston are still kind of that. Well, yeah. I, this is the first them. time. Exactly. I just don't trust them yet, especially on offense. I think that they're a lot better at not turning the ball over than they have been in the past, but I don't know that that's enough. By the way, in case you're wondering, in 2011, Houston went to Tulane and beat your beloved Green Wave by a score of <laughs> 73 to 17. That's just unnecessary to drop 73 points. On I've somebody. got no idea the context of that game, but they did not hold back. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a lot. A lot. Yeah, Case Keenum, I just saw... <laughs> career passing yards, 19,217 at Houston. Yeah, one hundred fifty. It was an incredible year. Mm-hmm. That well, those nineteen thousand yards weren't just in that one year. Well, I I know, but <laughs> that one year for Houston was yeah. it, it, people. I don't think they remember like how yeah. good that team was. Yeah. So yeah, Keenum threw for five thousand six hundred thirty-one yards that one year, and that wasn't his best yard in terms of best year in terms of passing yards. Yeah. So that's that's insane the numbers he put up there. I mentioned Steve Largent earlier too. He at Tulsa had like 136 uh, catches in three seasons, but that was the seventies. So those were, you know, massive numbers for a wide receiver back then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm actually very excited because we kick it off Thursday with what I think is going to be a crazy game. And then we end with what's sure to be a crazy showdown. So yes, there's some football in between that we can feast on, but it's, it's really the appetizer and the dessert yeah. here that's going to carry us through. It is. It's Navy, Tulsa, Cincy, Tulane, UCF, Temple. Those are games, but I think we're a little less high on them as far as watchability. But that SMU-Houston game, I, I think that's going to be a lot of a lot of fun. Definitely start and end your weekend with the AAC, please. So, uh, Yeah, except I think Wednesday night there's going to be another Sunbelt game, isn't there? Whatever. And next week starts some action, so at least we don't have to cover that. You don't have to ever yeah. that by like basically record the second night's games. Into- I do want to give a weird shout out. This is going to be sideways, but I'd like to shout out uh, Troy Athletics because they came out today with their vintage, their first ever vintage apparel line with home field apparel. And these y'all, if you're a a football fan or you're like a a college athletics fan like me, and you, you know, you like to show, you like to have those things that are throwbacks that are like, show your fan of the game. These throwback sweatshirts and shirts they just came out with. I wish you could see them. I'm going to send it to you. Slide slide over to their two lane home fields, two lane line. You're going to, are they, are they, I've seen the two lane. I've seen the two lane ones before. I've never seen the Troy ones. Yeah. Home. So this is not an ad read, not an ad read. No, not at all, but (laughs) But maybe I know home field uh, does a lot of ad reads with other like college football podcasts, but like, Oh, Mom. They've got a really great UMass line. They've got UCF, USF. Uh, who else do they have? I just sent you the so, picture of the the oh, Troy yeah, ones. The Troy. I think. I mean, if you're like, because Troy is such, a, yeah, they're kind yeah, of like I'm going to really buy good. that white one. I think the TSU one, like just to have, yeah, because I think that's just such a cool thing, and I love that all the schools are doing this. So yeah. um, the Marshall throwbacks are really cool too. I mean, all throwbacks in general are just the Hawaii awesome. ones with all the rainbow stuff they have are really yeah. good. So I, I just saw that on Twitter and I was like, I got to share that. So oh, absolutely. Go my gear. 
Absolutely. They got a lot of awesome stuff. Yes. Uh, what else is there? Do we have anything else? That was it. I mean, no, that's, yeah, that's I mean, all she wrote. We're, we're not previewing UAB yet, so we're good. <laughs> no, we're good. I got to get back to this tight end story. So You do. All right. You go work on that. I will go work on one of the million mm. things I've got going on today, and we'll mm-hmm. be all set. <laughs> Where can people find your you, Dan? Oh, yes. Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter or, you know, just around. Do you have, a, you have an Instagram, don't you? I do not use my Instagram. It's Oh, you should. I don't like Instagram. I don't oh take photos. God. That's fair. I just don't ever That's get fair. To take photos, so I don't use them. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. I'll be at the Colorado State, Boise State football game this Saturday. I'm not sure who will be watching it, but I will be there. Very excited to be doing a feature on Trey McBride, who's one of the best tight ends in the country that you've never heard of. Definitely have to check that out when it comes out. So we'll probably talk yes, about it next can't week. Can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. All right. We are. We'll all see you guys set. next time. <laughs>